0: Okay, we're back. First off, any questions, comments, or observations about the first things we talked about? Now we talked about first and foremost, who do you listen to? And I suggested that of the thousands of books you could read on similar subjects to this, you really can't read those books or listen to those people because these people don't know the information and the evidence is that they don't know it is that Just look at their own life. They haven't achieved what they're teaching. When it comes to making money, the people that are reading books on how to make money don't have any money. They haven't made any money. And the only money that they've made is by selling books on how to get rich. So they haven't done anything in real life. It's all theory. The super wealthy that write books, quote, don't write the books, don't even know what's in the books. And if they did, they're not going to share with you the true information anyway because they have a basic belief that this information should not be shared to the general public, and they don't wanna do that because they don't want the competition. So, who do you listen to? I would suggest the information you're gonna get this weekend is valuable. Why? Because it's not coming from me, an individual guru. It's coming from the collective amount of information from the secret societies, and we have here as members, 33 degree member of the Freemasons, we have uh, members of uh, Skull and Bones, that have come forward, first time ever in history that members of these secret societies have come forth. Uh, Obviously they're not making themselves known to the public, but the first time these people have ever come forward and releasing this information and sharing this information and they're backing me up on releasing this information. Myself from the Brotherhood and some of the other secret societies, the Illuminati and so forth, uh, we have members now part of this group that are taking this information and sharing it with you. So this information I think is, is the purest information you'll get on this subject and how to make money tomorrow. How do you know? Look at the evidence. And obviously those here can see the evidence, but this information obviously works, it has worked better and faster, has the longest track record, most amount of history, but most importantly, the evidence is real, you can see it. It's not myth, it's not fantasy. So who do you listen to? Talked about the Teachability Index, how teachable are you? What is your willingness to learn on a scale of one to 10? And what is your willingness to accept change? So anything on those two basic points? Question? Yes. Question was about other books written, and uh, question was specifically about some of the great books out there that give stories that Maybe the person who wrote the book isn't super wealthy. They don't claim to be, but they claim to be a teacher. And are those books good? Because those people maybe don't have the desire to become billionaires, therefore, if they don't have that desire, there's nothing wrong with that. But can't we listen to what they're saying because that information sounds really, really good? That's a very good question, and here's the answer. When you read books, and I'll, I'll give you one book, The Celestine Prophecy, and you read books like that, these books tell stories that never happened. Isn't that true? These books give you a myth. They are a book that is a fable. It is a story about a non-existent person in a non-existent place where non-existent things happen. These are not biographies. These are not autobiographies. These are made up stories, and there's no secret that they're made up. The authors have some convoluted, whacked out theory of how success works, how the physical universe works, how earth works, how the universe works, how energy works, how success works, how happiness works, how manifesting dreams and desires work. They have this theory of how these things work. And it is a theory. And in order to prove their theory, they haven't done it themselves. So what they say is, I don't want. I don't want. I have no desire. So don't look at me. I have all the desires of my life. And that's maybe true. Maybe they do have all the desires of their life, which is fine. They all have very small desires though. They all have small dreams which I think is a little bit interesting. Sometimes there's something called justification. I don't want a big house. I like my small house. I don't want a new car. I like my 15 year old car. Sometimes we justify that we don't want something when in fact it's because we believe we can't get it. So these people have these ideas about how this stuff works And in order to teach it, they have to make up a story about a person and how this person goes through their made-up life and how things happen in their made-up life, which prove this person's theory is true. And we read this book and we're, maybe it's really, really well-written and we like the book and it's a great book and we enjoy it. The problem is it never happened. The story you're reading about is made up. And again, it's no secret it's made up. They're not trying to you know, convince you that it's real. It's a fable, it's a myth, it's a made up story. They say, well, I'm using this as an example. It can't be an example because it had never happened. If their theory of how things happen are true, why do they have to make up a story? Why can't they just point to a real person and share with you a real person's story and give a real life example of that happening? The answer is because there isn't a real person who ever achieved their desires in the manner in which these books are presenting. The information in the books are fake. The recipe is fake. The recipe for success doesn't work. Because if it did work, they would have a real life example. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's why I brought you here, so you could meet real people and we're not talking theory. We're gonna be sharing with you real experiences in the real world. And everything that you're taught this weekend, the examples that you're gonna be getting are from real people, not a myth, not a, not a fantasy. That's the big difference. And that's, that's a very good question. Other, any other questions? Yes, teachability index. Uh-huh. Okay. All right, for those of you on the CD that can't hear the question, the question was on teachability index. The question was how do you know that you have a high teachability index? How can you know that you have a high willingness to learn? And how can you know that you have a high willingness to accept change? Maybe you think you have a high willingness to learn, but you really don't. There's two answers to, 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 to that. The first answer is, what are you willing to give up? What's your favorite thing? Th- this is a simple test. If one of your favorite things is golfing, are you willing to put the golf clubs away for a year? Are you willing to, if your favorite thing is watching TV, are you willing to not watch TV for a week? Or if you watch X number of hours a night, are you willing to cut down to one hour a night? Or half an hour a night? What's your favorite TV show? Let's, let's be real specific here. What's your t- favorite TV show that you have to watch all the time? Are you willing not to watch it for a year? That'll tell you what your willingness to learn is. What's your favorite thing? Are you willing to give it up that'll really tell you what your willingness to learn is? Now the question is, what if I want a high willingness to learn, but I just can't seem to motivate myself to give up the things I love the most? Can I still have a high willingness to learn? The answer is yes. First, you have to determine where your Teachability Index is right now. If it's not 10 and 10, 10 willingness to learn, 10 willingness to accept change, doesn't mean mean you go home, doesn't mean you shut the CDs off and, and say, forget it, I can't learn this, I don't have a high willingness to learn. It just means that you have to acknowledge that I don't have a high willingness to learn. Let's say that you want to play golf, and you've never golfed before. Well, that means you're starting at a very very bad place. You've never played golf before. So you wanna play around to golf, and you wanna enjoy yourself, but you've never played golf before, so going on a golf course, you're gonna be hacking up the course, you're probably gonna be miserable. Your goal is to have a great time playing golf. That's okay, because you know, I'm starting here. So the point is, your goal, and this is important that you understand this, your goal is always the first thing in front of you. Some of you think your goal is to manifest your desires. Some of of you think your goal is to learn this information. Some of you think your goal is to make a million dollars. No, that's not true. Everyone's goal, everyone's first objective is different. It's the first thing in front of you. Which means if you are a, a 10 and 10, your goal is not to get hundred percent teachability index. You're there. So your goal, goal is gonna be the next step from there. But if you're sitting over here and your goal, and, you're, and you acknowledge that your teachability index is five and five, only 25%. Your goal then is to get to a hundred percent teachability index. That is your objective. Do you understand that? Key point. Your objective, your goal, what you focus on is always what's in front of you, what the next step is. So the first step, if we've stepped these out, the first step is you need to decide who should you listen to. You can listen to the gurus, who write the books that make up stories because they can't find a real person on planet Earth that actually did what they think is the secret to success. Because if, they, if, if their secret to success is so true, let's find one person that, that did it. I, I mean, I read this, this one book, this guy, his, <laughs> the secret to his success, the way to be successful, to make money, you have to breathe and you have to meditate and you have to let it come to you. Let it come to you. Sit and let it come to you. And he gave all these stories of these people throughout history that he made up. These are all fables. Well, guess what? I said, if if that's true, let's find, there's a a bunch of billionaires around today. Let's find one of the billionaires who sat in his room and went "Mm, and meditated all day and his billions came to him. There isn't one. They worked their ass off. They worked hard. They were obsessed with making money and they put a lot of effort into it and a lot of focus. They didn't sit around meditating all day saying the universe is going to give me the stuff. I will listen to this goofy. By the way, I, I hope, and we talked about this at dinner last night, we're not going to fluff this because we have limited time. So we're just going to tell you how it is even if we step on some toes. So we apologize. But first thing is who do you listen to? You have to listen to people who have done it in real life, real examples, people like you, because it shows that it works. It's proven to work. It's not theory. That's the first step. If you're not there yet, if you're you're not at the point where you're saying, this information on these CDs and in this workshop, this information is not from a source that I feel comfortable with, you can't go any further. So you have to get to step one. If you're there, then your next step is, I need to be as teachable as I can be. I need to acknowledge what my teachability index is and you need to get your your Teachability Index up. Your goal is getting your Teachability Index up. So then the question is, well, how, how do I believe that the information is coming from the right source on these CDs or in this workshop? How do I get to that level? And how do I get my Teachability Index up? How do I do that? Here's the answer. The reason we put this on CD is if you go back to what I said about how we were taught this in the societies, it was in stages and at levels. Primarily, I mentioned a little bit of workshop and lecture, through books, through mentoring, having a mentor, or being an apprentice, and through one-on-one communication. The key is when we're learning this from a person, the person can see where we're at, and they're not gonna take us further than where we're at. So if we're stuck on Teachability Index, for some people, the mentor or the teacher would work with the apprentice only on teachability index, sometimes for weeks, months, or years, before they got to a level where they could teach him something, and they would teach him something knowing that I'm gonna teach him something that they can learn based on their teachability index. Because if the teachability index is so low, I can't teach them a high level, piece of knowledge because they won't learn it. So I'll teach them a very simple piece of knowledge so that they will learn it at their current teachability index. Does this make sense? And here's what happens. How do you get the teachability index up? Generally speaking, the person has to make these decisions on their own and choose on their own and make their own decisions and take their own responsibility. The way to help them is by teaching them a little something that they can learn based on their current teachability index level. And when they learn it and see that this works, that this is good, that they liked it, their teachability index will then go up. Their belief in it will go up. Their belief that they can do it can go up. Therefore, their willingness to learn will go up. And their willingness to accept change will go up. That's the first method. The second method is by exposing this person to people that have what they want. Because by seeing firsthand people who have what you want, your desire will go up to achieve that, to also get that. And when your desire goes up, your willingness to learn will go up. Does this make sense? Now, you here in the room and the people listening to this on CD, what is your method? Because some of you are wondering, how do I get this up based on where I'm at and with the tools I have available? The answer is, and this is why we put this on CD, listen to these CDs. Listen to these CDs all the way through. All the way through. As you listen the very first time, some of you will have a very low willingness to learn and low willingness to accept change the first time you listen to it. But after you listen to it, go back and listen to it again. The second time you listen to it, your willingness to learn will be higher. Your willingness to accept change will be higher. Then listen to it again. And then listen to it again. At the end of the CDs, I'm going to give you additional materials, which I am going to encourage you to get CDs as well as books. And we may in the future offer more live events. It's an ongoing process to increase your willingness to learn, it's an ongoing process. Each one of these steps, ideally should be at a very high level before you go on to the next one. But you don't have that luxury. And you don't have that amount of time. So I hope that answered your question. If you're at a low level right now in terms of willingness to learn and willingness to accept change, just acknowledge it. And just know I'm probably not that teachable. Doesn't mean you're completely not teachable. You're gonna learn some of this stuff. And as you learn some of it, your teachability index should go up. With one exception, you have a super high willingness to learn right now, high willingness to accept change, or you're 100. You're, you're absorbing all this in so fast that your sponge is gonna get full. Maybe a few hours from now, it may dramatically shift. That's why listening to these CDs over and over and over and over and over and over and over, and over again is really your mission. This is what you should be doing. Listen, so how how much should I listen each day? Well, I designed this lecture with breaks approximately every hour. And that's a very good way. You can listen to one CD, then take a break. But I'll give you another little trick. If you listen to these CDs in 20 minute intervals, which means you listen for about 20 minutes, shut the CD off, go get a glass of water, go for a walk, go have some lunch, then listen to another 20 minutes, then take another break for five or 10 or 15 minutes or an hour or two, then listen to another 20 minutes. That's really the ideal way of being able to absorb all this information. But listening to them for three hours straight, every day, boom. For some of you, you'll sit down and say, I'm gonna start at nine o'clock in the morning, listen all day till five, and then listen all day on the next day, that's fine as well. But just listen to them over and over and over and over again because there's so much information packed in this, on, in this lecture, in, in these CDs, because we have limited time. You have to listen to it over and over and over again to get the information. And for those of you at home, I would also suggest that you buy some Baroque classical music and you can play that softly in the background, Baroque classical music will actually lower your resting heart rate, reduce your blood pressure, and synchronize the left and right brain hemispheres. It will actually put you in what's called an alpha state, which is the ideal state for learning new information, because it'll be synchronized into both hemispheres of the brain. So if you're listening to these CDs while playing Baroque classical music in the background, that's an ideal way of doing this as well. The reason I didn't put Baroque classical music on the CDs or here in the lecture hall was this is an individual preference based on the music and the volume. Some people just can't concentrate for a lot of reasons we'll talk about later, if there's any music playing whatsoever initially because of a lot of different factors. So Baroque classical music, test it, If you like it, then play that softly in the background at a level with these CDs. It's very effective. For some people, it can be very irritating. If it is irritating, that's another issue which we're gonna address later in terms of how to focus and what causes you not to be able to focus or putting the mind in, in two different places, which we'll talk about a little bit later. So I hope that answered your question. Any other questions, comments, or observations? Okay, great. So we talked about two basic things, the first two steps, who do you listen to? And you should be listening to people who have the results to prove what they say is true. Second, what is your teachability index? I'm hammering teachability index, why? Because if you ain't teachable, then everything goes in one ear and out the other. You have to focus on teachability index every day. You can't say, oh, I'm teachable, and expect it just to last forever because in a day, You can be teachable in the morning and not teachable in the afternoon. You have to constantly consider your own teachability index. Third step. Third step is what's called the training balance scale. I learned this at one of my mentors in the society at his home in Memphis, Tennessee. One of the wealthiest guys in Tennessee, and I was there for a day of one-on-one mentoring back in 25 years ago now. And this is one of the concepts we spent eight hours working on. Again, I want to just digress for a second. I got you guys today and tomorrow For those listening to the CDs, you're gonna get about 10 plus hours of material. And I'm jamming in so much material in a short period of time. As I mentioned, I'm giving you kind of a thumbnail sketch, kind of a bird's eye view. I'm touching on things. In real life, each one of these subjects, each one of these subjects, you just take Teachability Index, I could spend three days working on Teachability Index. Just three days. When I learned this next concept, I went down and I spent an entire day. We started at breakfast, we worked through lunch, we worked through dinner, and we were up till around two o'clock in the morning and I had felt like I didn't get anywhere close to all the information on this subject, and it was true. This subject is called the Training Balance Scale. Now, over the years, I've gotten more information on this one subject. I'm gonna give you guys about 30 minutes worth of information. If I were to focus on this one topic, we could spend three, four, five days together on this one topic. And somebody says, is that really valuable? Is that really needed to spend three days on Teachability Index or four days or five days on Teachability Index or 30 or 40 or 50 hours on this, quote, training balance scale? The answer is, yeah, it is. But only when you're ready. You can't do that right in the beginning. See? you you, you eat an elephant one bite at a time. If, If we're going to teach you mathematics, think of all the information that can be taught on the subject of mathematics. Well, if you have never learned anything about mathematics, and this is the first lesson on mathematics, I'm going to have to teach you what the numbers are one through nine and zero. You don't even know how to make a, a number three. You don't know what a three represents. You don't know what a five represents. So I have to teach you the numbers first and explain that th- this, this, this squiggly line, which we call a three, means three bits of information and i'd have to teach it to you by throwing three paper clips down and say that's 3 and then i'd show you five paper clips and go that's 5 and i'd start showing you what these numbers represent by giving you something in the physical universe you could see and touch and feel we have to start there first then i'd have to teach you addition then subtraction then multiplication Then division. I think about when we learned all this stuff. How many years did it take to learn? Just that. Remember long division? Ooh, how to carry numbers. Then we have to teach fractions. Wow, some of you are like, I remember fractions. How do you multiply fractions? And decimals. Then geometry. In algebra. Calculus, trigonometry, do you understand that? Same thing here. When you look at a concept like teachability index, think of it as mathematics. You may think you know everything already about teachability index. (laughs) Remember what I said in the beginning? You don't know what you don't know. I laugh because I'm holding back. There's so much knowledge and information about Teachability Index. I just scratch the scratch of the scratch of the surface. Just giving you a little bit, just enough that you need right now. So that your your eyes don't roll in the back of your head. So each one of these subjects Later, I'm going to do the full-blown teaching on each one of these subjects. Now, this seminar today and tomorrow is what we call the basic seminar. It's the basic information. And it's just giving you the scratch of the scratch of the scratch of the surface of each one of the subjects. You can then take this basic information, each of the subjects, break it down and give you another 30 hours of information on each one of these subjects. But then there's advanced material, which goes beyond this. Someone says, do I need all this stuff? The answer is no. Everything you need is in these CDs and in this lecture. Why? Because you have one lifetime here. Keep this in mind. You have one lifetime here. You're starting from zero. If you were born into an elite family, by the time you're 20, 30 years old, you're not at zero. Some of you here in the room, 30, 40, 50 years old, guess what? If you were born in an elite family, you would have had that much time to learn all this stuff. You you can't learn everything. You can take this information and create so much in your life It's going to blow you away. And a lot of times, people relish and enjoy what they're creating with this new knowledge and this new power. And they don't want to do anything more. You don't have to go any further. And some of you may choose to. So that information will be available. But it's not requirement. My gosh, the information you're going to have access to today and tomorrow will allow you to create more than you could ever dream possible. And only then will you be able to dream further and get bigger. So let's talk about training balance scale. Again, I learned this for the first time when I was in Memphis 25 years ago. And this was a profound learning experience for me The training balance scale is a scale. And on one side of the scale is what's called thinking. You could also call it, I'm gonna give you a bunch of different words for this side of the scale. Thoughts. Thinking. Desires dreams, goals, attitude, mental processes, objectives. One side of the scale, this side of the scale deals with thoughts. It deals with your mind, what goes on inside your mind, how you think. You can also put down a word called vibration, intention, energy. This side of the training balance scale Deals with thoughts, what goes on in the mind, only how you think. It also, this side of the training balance scale, is how you feel your emotions. So this side of the training balance scale, if you were to break it down, deals with your thoughts and your emotions, how you think and how you feel. The second side of the training balance scale is actions, physical movements, what you do, techniques, strategies, action steps, plans, activities, This side of the training balance scale is the physical actions that you do. It's the acting out. So the difference is, I'm thinking of calling my brother. That's on the thought part of the training balance scale. Physically picking up the phone and dialing is on the action part. The thought part is I'm thinking of a battle plan, a plan of attack. I'm thinking of putting a project into motion. That's my thought. Physically putting that into motion buying a filing cabinet, getting a desk, setting up a corporation, writing a business plan. The actually doing is on the other side of the training balance scale. The thought, another word you could say is the why. The action part of the training balance scale is the how. Primarily, the big difference between these two is one is just your thoughts, and the other one is the actual actions put into place. Those are the big differences between this training balance scale. Now the reason this is called a training balance scale is when you're learning information, the theory is that there should be a balance between these two. There should be a balance between dreams, goals, attitude, another good word is motivation on the thought part, motivation. There should be a a balance between motivating somebody, if you're gonna train them, you wanna motivate them and get them excited and talk about the dreams and the goals and how they're gonna feel when they're successful and they achieve this. And there should be a balance between doing that and also teaching them techniques. Specifically, how do they make a phone call? How do they set up the corporation? How do they do this? How do they do that? There should be a balance between teaching the real techniques that you apply in real life, the how, and motivating or working on a person's goals and dreams and how they're gonna feel when they achieve this success. And there should be a balance. The theory is, I'm using the word theory on purpose. The theory is if you work only on motivation, like if you go to sales training seminars, you go to uh, a lot of these guru seminars on how to be successful, weekends, walk on fire, and all these different things. They work on motivation, motivation, motivation. And people leave and they're motivated idiots. They're so motivated, but they have no concept, no idea of what to do. And the other side of the coin is you go to some of these boring, boring seminars that teach you technique, 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 skills, 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 the how, the how, the how, the procedure, the method. The other side of the training balance scale, that person leaves and does nothing because he's not motivated. So the theory is when you train somebody, you have to have a balance between working on their motivation and attitude and dreams and goals, the thoughts, and training them on techniques, skills, methods, procedures, the how. You have to work on the why and the how when you're training somebody. Well, none of you are training anybody right now. You're being trained. So the reason we bring this up is you need to understand both sides of the training balance scale. So as you're learning new information, you should learn both. The why, you should be working on your goals, your dreams, your wants, your desires, your thoughts, your attitude, your motivation. And you should also be working on the how. The skills, the techniques, the methods. The actions, learning exactly how to do the actions. You must learn both. But the theory is that the balance should be that you learn equal amounts of both. And this, my friends, is the great myth that will keep you broke. It is a myth purposely put on you by the elite class. And there's a There's actually two parts of the elite class out there, so you know. This is one of the reasons why I left the Brotherhood. You have the elite class that is benefiting society. And then there's what's called the parasitical elite class, which lives off of society. The parasitical elite class, unfortunately, is a majority and they live off your labor. That's the reason why they want you to stay at the levels you're at. But they want you to believe you have opportunity, that you have, that there is free enterprise, that you have freedom. Let me tell you something. When you go to a job, and you work for 50 years, and you bring home your paycheck, You're just barely making ends meet. You're paying off the mortgage, the car payment, the insurance payments. You're just basically paying off the student loans for your kids to go to college. You ain't free. You're a slave. You're just like a slave picking cotton. You are a slave. You think you're free. You think you're part of the free enterprise system. But you're not, you're a slave. You are a slave. And in this lecture, I don't have time to get into all the details, but the way the interest rates are and the fees on loans and credit cards are set up, and the way that taxes are set up, it's a built in slavery system, which is why 97% of people in America and it's worse in other countries, in America, are born and they, and they die. And When they die, they have less than $1,000 in the bank. They've been a slave their whole life. they basically worked their whole life making other people wealthy and allowing other people to live their dreams. And statistics vary, but it's said that 99% of people in America, and again other countries are worse, die with most, most of their desires unfulfilled. How sad. So this is a myth that you have to have a balance. What the truth is, and I'm gonna explain later, but I'll just give you the data now for you to chew on. The truth is that the thought part of the training balance scale, the thinking, is 99.9% of it, if not 100%. Thinking and your thoughts are ultimately more important than the how or the techniques or the skills. When you're creating things in your life, when you're making your desires come true, you're making your wishes manifest right before your eyes, and you're making millions like you'll learn tomorrow, or whatever amount you want. Could be tens of thousands. Could be hundreds of thousands. Could be more. But whatever it is, when you're making your desires happen, the most important part is your thoughts. I was sitting in a guy's house in Charlotte, North Carolina years ago. Incredibly wealthy guy. And I remember I was listening to him and he made the stupidest statement of all time. And I remember thinking it was the stupidest statement of all time the moment I heard it. He said, when your attitude's right, the facts don't count. And I said, how stupid? Facts count. Facts count. Your thinking and your attitude is not gonna change the facts. And so later, I challenged him. But again, at this moment in time, I was very fortunate because Teachability Index is always at the forefront of my thought. Every day, how teachable am I? How teachable am I? How teachable am I? What's my willingness to learn? What's my willingness to accept change? How teachable am I? And when he made that statement, the first thing that popped into my head was this is a stupid statement. And the second thing that popped into my head was how teachable am I? And I said high willingness to learn, high willingness to accept change. If I think this is a stupid statement, I'm willing to change that if I can get some more information because I don't understand it. So later we're sitting at his home and I challenged him and I said, explain this. I says, I'm confused because it doesn't make any sense to me. With a big smile on his face, he just simply said this. He says, when your attitude's right, the facts don't count, first and foremost, because what you think are facts ain't facts anyway. They're just people's opinions. I thought, huh? He said, "Look, look, what you think are facts aren't facts. They're mostly people's opinions. When your attitude's right, facts don't count, because what you think are facts are mostly opinions. Because let me give you a couple examples. He says, after the Second World War, there was a glut of ships in the world, because the war was over. There were more ships just everywhere, and none of them were being used. The war had ended. All the massive Construction of shipping that was done because of the needs of the war created the largest excess glut of ships in history. You couldn't give ships away because it would just cost too money to get rid of, you know, to to haul the ship out of there, and and it wasn't you couldn't get any money for scrap metal. It was just a disaster. There were just ships blocking up ports and harbors. They were everywhere, you couldn't give them away. And if you were stuck with chips, you could, I mean, it was a disaster just having them. You were trying to, you had to pay money to get rid of the ships. It was just a glut of shipping. And everyone knew that this was a fact. And everyone knew that anybody in shipping was basically screwed. They just were losing money hand over fist. These were the facts. But there was one guy, by the name of Aristotle Onassis, who happened to be a member of the Brotherhood, who understood that what most people think are facts are nothing but opinions. And at a coffee shop, on a napkin, he just did some mathematical calculations. And he said, The reason there's a glut of ships is because of the war, shipping had ceased. Nobody was shipping things because of the war, because you get torpedoed. There was a war going on, world war. And he said, if shipping goes back to the levels it was before the war, there ain't enough ships. Even if it went back to the levels it was before the war, there are not enough ships right now that are seaworthy. And Onassis just came to a simple conclusion. Because of the war, the world had become internationalized. Americans were now eating pizza, which they never heard before the war, but now the American GIs were coming back from Italy talking about, hey, we got pizza. So Americans wanted Italian products. Germans wanted American products. Japanese needed products because of the war. The world had become internationalized because of all the international travel from the GIs. And everyone wanted different people's products from around the world. So NASA said, if shipping goes back to the levels it was before the war, they're on enough ships right now. But because of the war, shipping will increase faster than ever. And so Onassis went out and got every ship he could. Within three years, he was the richest man in the world based on shipping because he discerned fact from opinion. The key here is the how is not so important as the thought process. This next concept that you need to understand, basic concept number three, is that you have to understand thoughts and what your thoughts are, and you have to understand the how and what you're physically doing, the techniques. But you have to focus all of your attention, focus all of your attention on the thoughts. Work on the thought process. Work on the thinking process. Do not worry about the how. I'm gonna talk more about this later, but the key that you need to understand is that your thinking, the thoughts, your dreams, how you feel is 99% of the importance to make success work. Most people fail because they're always concerned about the how. They're concerned about how am I gonna get the money to do that business? How can that happen? I don't understand how that's gonna happen. I don't have the skills. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the techniques. I don't have the know-how. None of that matters when your thinking is right when the thoughts are correct the how doesn't matter I'm going to explain more about how this works later but you just need to understand at this point the basics of the training balance scale that you have a thought process and you have a how process you have both but most important is thinking, thinking, thinking. It's all about the thoughts. Now, the next concept I wanna talk about, concept number four, is the four steps that you go through when processing information. There are four basic steps the mind goes through when it's processing new information. First is what's called unconscious incompetence. This is when you don't know that you don't know. Next is called conscious incompetence. This is when you know that you don't know. Next is called conscious competence. This is when you know that you know. And last is called unconscious competence. This is when you know and it happens automatically. It's called autopilot. You need to understand these four areas of the brain, the mind, the thought process, and the learning process. Because your objective is to get to unconscious competence, where this information that you're learning is part of you and it's happening automatically. It just naturally occurs. It's a knowing, like your own name. What's your your name? Boom, you know your own name. You don't have to think about it. You're unconsciously competent. You know that you know. It's autopilot. If I say, can you tie your shoes? Yeah, you'd bend over and you'd tie your shoe. Well, think about the very first time you needed to tie a shoelace. You didn't even know that you didn't know. You were unconsciously incompetent. Then I showed you how to tie a shoelace. You couldn't do it. Now you are consciously incompetent. You knew you didn't know. Then you were taught how to do it. And every time you tied the shoelace, it took you a few seconds. You had to think about it. How do I do it? Left over right? What do I... And you thought through the process. You are consciously competent. After a while, you don't think about how to tie the shoelace. You just tie the shoelace. You're unconsciously competent. Driving home. Some people drive home from work. You get home and you think, boy, I don't even remember how I got here. My mind was someplace else. Because you're unconsciously competent when it comes to driving home. You know exactly how to drive home. You don't think about it anymore. It's out of the conscious state. It's unconscious, you just know it. It's in the knowledge bank. This information you're learning, and that's one of the reasons why you want to listen to these CDs over and over and over and over again, is to get this information at the unconscious competence level. So for example, if I were to ask you, what was the first concept we talked about? So you have to think about it, check through your notes. Well, you should know. The first concept is who do you listen to? And you should be able to understand who you listen to and why you listen to certain people and not others. If I say, what was the second concept we talked about? Again, some of you don't know. Well, if I were to help you and go, it was called the Teachability Index. What is the Teachability Index? You should instantly know, without even thinking about it, there's two variables. Willingness to learn, willingness to accept change. If you need to think about that, you're not unconsciously competent yet. No problem. But the point is, all of these concepts, when they become unconsciously knowledge, part of your knowledge bank, when you become unconsciously competent in all these areas, that's when magic will start, because that's when, without even doing anything, all these things will begin to work. When I say work, what are we talking about specifically? We're talking about manifesting your desires in record speed. And, it, and have it happen as if by magic. Have it happen easily and effortlessly. That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. We're gonna take a break right here. For those of you on the CD, this is the end of this CD. Take a break and we'll see you in the next CD and we'll see you back here in a few minutes.